friends, welcome to episode 230 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Maybe a bad time to ask that question. You know what? I'll, I'll circle back around to How you. are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm actually doing okay. I'm actually doing okay. It's uh, I I think we've we've both we both got really rough sleep last night. Mm-hmm. Um, your uh your your cats were continuing to be uh little jerks, and mm-hmm. I just like had one of those nights where my brain would not shut off, mm-hmm. and I could not thermoregulate. Like oh, that's the worst. Feet were way too hot. Body was also cold at the same time. If I could get the body correct, heat were you know feet were burning up and just I like yeah it was it was it was rough. I ended up like moving out to the couch and just watching mindless YouTube videos on TV until I could just pass out in some way. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just just pass out. Yeah, it was boredom. for me. It was the uh, uh, went to bed at a semi decent time. Uh, woke up like one something from the cats woke mm. up at two something from the cats at the point that i got almost to four i was like i'm just giving up i'm just gonna go out to the couch yeah maybe it'll keep them quiet if they cuddle up with me and they would cuddle up and then within 20 minutes they were either fighting each other or getting out of the covers and waking me up mm-hmm. and that happened until sometime after five Jeez. and i was like i need to go to bed yeah. Like I'm I'm just going to go back to the bedroom and try and survive. Yeah. And uh uh Vicky left for work and they were just like pounding on the door. Just pounding. Mm-hmm. And I was like I just it was too much. Like I hear you. I hear you. You love them. You do love them. Uh pretty slow week in gaming. Yeah. Yeah, relatively slow, I would say, right now, for uh, us both. I think we we officially, I don't know if we, we had this by last show, but we officially got my game and Sean's next game scheduled. Yes. And we've got, God, is Mouse Guard not until, like, the end of next month? I think so. Oh, my goodness. We're I know. A little bit of a drought here. It's going to be a little weird. It's going to be a little weird. Yeah. So, But I mean, at the same time, like, it gives us some time to breathe and do things. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, well, you had some use in, like, huge housework uh, and stuff of that to take I, care I'm of. I'm still so. sore from that. So. Oh, I know, yeah. Yeah, this last weekend was a lot of, of physical labor. So, <clears throat> not uh, not not to be uh, discouraged in any way, the house ownership is wonderful. Oh, my goodness. So, that being said, we have a topic that ended up creating a lot of questions yeah and some leftover questions from last week that i really do want to make sure we hit those are really um, phenomenal questions this week too. no it's been great it's been absolutely great this so. week we're, we're talking about um generic systems and srds and ogls and you know just kind of like with that like where that kind of generic system um uh atmosphere lies yeah i was know? gonna say soup soup yeah because it's soup because no, i don't think anybody really knows what's in it you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's part of the problem with generic systems and SRDs and and how that's all happening uh, at the same time. Because a lot of those terms just kind of came out of the woodwork for people. Mm-hmm. And then you had people who knew what was going on saying, oh, well, this isn't that big of a deal. Like, why are you guys making a big deal out of this? Like, you're not game developers. Stop, stop worrying about the OGL. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not impacting you. And, you know, a, a, some of the anger was founded. But at the same time, like, some people were just like, so stop using the system. Like, no, there you go. Just, there are plenty of other game systems There's out there. There's plenty of other game systems out uh-huh. there. Um, 
So, but that being said, I think it's good for us to come back and kind of circle back now that things are a little quieter, I mm-hmm, would say, mm-hmm. um, and talk about what these things actually are. Yeah. And kind of the benefits of them. Sure. So. All right. So generic system, pretty self-explanatory. We will get to that in a second because generic systems are kind of a kind of a larger topic and they're kind of the main topic. Um but uh, actually, Knox in the Box is already in the live chat. He says, uh, uh, sure, that sure is a lot of letters I don't know. Well, good news. We're about to teach them to you. Yeah. Um, so uh, when we say SRD, what we mean is a system reference document. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought of a system resource document. A system reference document. Um, and basically what it is, is it is a um, it is the bare bones of a game system mm-hmm. that is designed to basically help developers uh, and, you know, players and GMs as well mm-hmm. um, with referencing the core rules of the product. Okay. Um, think of it kind of like a game system for dummies guide. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to use our system to make your own product, okay, mm-hmm. if you're going to make something based on Powered by the Apocalypse, or you're going to use something based on like the D20 system that Dungeons and Dragons r- runs and stuff like that. Um, these are the guidelines for how our system works. So you can make something that is compatible with and in, in lockstep with our product. I I think the other part of it for me, and I I think this is an extension of what it really like that, that is all true. Mm -hmm. But I think the other extension of that is that for people who don't own the system, it gives them a place to go and look at it. Yeah. I think it's phenomenal. And that right there pushes toward accessibility, which I love. Yes, so. yes, absolutely. Uh, so when we talk about an OGL, um, this is an open gaming license. Uh, now, this is not a system in and of itself, but what it is is a, a, a license that is basically saying, here, go if you're going to use our SRD, um, here are the legal rules by which your product must align to use our name and system. Okay, Correct. You can absolutely create a D20 product that is compatible with 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, etc., etc., and sell it as your own product and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but you have to follow X, Y, and Z rules for mm-hmm. financial compensation and trademarks, and you sure. can use this and you can't use that sort of stuff. And some open game licenses have that level of strictness all the way out to, hey, we want you to use our system. Yeah. Say hi. Ask us questions. We're good with that. Mm-hmm. There are levels of that out there. Um, so not everyone has these high levels of corporate lawyer design in their, their open gaming license. That's mostly Hasbro. Mostly, I'm not Hasbro. saying that's not just ha- that's not just Hasbro, but it's mm-hmm. mostly what we know about Hasbro. Yeah. So. Uh, and then you gotta get down to generic systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and the great thing about generic systems, um, so they're basically a a rules set. That is not tied to a specific genre. It's not tied to a specific story or a setting or anything like that. Generic systems are out there so that you can pick up a rules system and then tell just about any type of story you want with it. Um, Now, they may or may not have an SRD for it. Um, uh, And... A lot of them are, are, are like, basically prepackaged in, like, you just buy, like, the core book for it. And that will have all the rules and artwork and tables. It looks just like any other, you know, normal role-playing book that you would get. Mm-hmm. Unlike an SRD, which is very, very bare bones because it's essentially just a, a technical document. Correct. Um, your generic systems are full-fledged role-playing games. Mm-hmm. They just don't have a setting that goes with them. No, but that's not to say that they don't have their own, for lack of a better word, idiom. Sure. Um, 
or a, a, some people would call it a theme that sits across it um, that gives you the understanding of kind of what feeling they want you to play this game system in. Sure. I mean, obviously, we we every single one of these generic systems are different. Mm-hmm. And none of them, and I, and I say this with, his, with a capital N, none of them are so generic that it's not just, here's mechanics. They all have a reason why the mechanics are designed yes. in a way. You yes. may not obviously see it within the generic system, but it is there. But they have, they have something they're aiming for with it, right? Correct. Um, now, one of the one of the other major features of generic systems is that oftentimes um, they feature kind of like add-on books uh, for their for their kind of core product. So you you'll buy the book, the the core book, and that's going to have all the basic rules for you. So um, GURPS, Savage Worlds, um, two of them the the more major uh, uh, generic systems that, that are on our radar currently. Um, and then you're going to have like add-on books that have maybe various settings that use those rules. So, for instance, we spotlighted Deadlands not long ago. Deadlands is a add-on book for a generic system, Savage Worlds. Uh, so is like Holler or uh, East Texas University. Those mm-hmm. are all add-ons for it. Um, or you can also have add-on books that provide additional rules for crafting a specific genre of story. Okay, mm-hmm. So, like, for the Savage Worlds, you've got the Fantasy Companion. Mm-hmm. Okay, You can run a fantasy game just fine. In fact, we did so for over a year yeah. using Savage Worlds rules. But then, if you get the Fantasy Companion, it's just got a lot more options for you. It's got a lot of, like, different spells. It's got a whole bestiary and stuff like that. So, like, if you're going to run one, it just makes it easier. It's, it's just additional resources. It's a crafted experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they've got the Superpowers Companion. I've got that as well. Um, GURPS. I mean, literally any of the, like, GURPS Magic, GURPS Cyberpunk, GURPS Space. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of them Yeah, for GURPS. Yep, yep. Very much sure. Um, and all those things help you basically take your generic system and tilt it towards whatever you're trying to cater that generic system towards yeah now since we had such good questions and they fell right in line with our discussion we figured we might as well insert them sure like we've done in the past so the mad elf asked a pretty great question which is what are the trade-offs advantages to using a system or setting specific game versus a generic yeah sure um I would say that uh, if I was to lean more towards explaining why a system-specific one is, is that a lot of people, when they're coming into role-playing, may not have all of the, I guess, the 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 chops ready to build a world and a, uh, and setting around the mechanics, to step away from just the mechanics that are set forth. So they need some creative building blocks to do that. Mm-hmm. And so having a system that... Uh, already has a built-in setting can help do that. The other thing that kind of adds to that is when settings are entwined a little bit with the rules, it makes it feel like it's natural. Yeah. Where you now are part of the mechanics that make the world work the way it does Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the reasoning behind that. Um, And generic systems don't give you that, but they also don't set those limitations. And that allows you to then say, yes, I want to do cyberpunk, but I don't want to be bound to these specific hollowed halls of corporations and, you know, and cybernetics and things like that. My cyberpunk world is based upon an alien 
nation that's come in and taken over and the punking is bringing humanity back mm. so how do i do that well i can't do that with shadow run but i could do it with a generic system sure sure so. absolutely um i yeah I, I think that's 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 kind of the core of my answer to this question as well like i, I really think that like i have always been a person who homebrews a lot um or not really homebrews i, I guess homebrew is more of like a changing of the rules um, I'm a person who uh, I, I like to make my own uh, my own worlds and such like that. You know, I'm a writer at heart. Uh, I don't like using established properties like Faerun and stuff like that because I feel like a lot of the writing is already done for me, and I feel like that limits my creativity. Um, and it, it may it may involve false expectations on my players if they are familiar with the property. You know, so I always like making my own stuff, and with my own stuff. You know, you come up with some creative ideas for how you want a magic system to work or how you want a, uh, you know, a political structure of something to work or like what type of interesting professions might be in that world um, and what complications might be in that world to to require those professions. And a generic system gives you all the building blocks without any of the assumptions that there is a specific type of story you're telling with it, you know. Um, like with Savage Worlds, you can kind of walk in and go like, okay, well, the powers work in a certain way, but there are setting rules I can use to like remove power points from the equation. People can just cast magic, you know, um, you can make your system, uh, you can make your game more or less lethal, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to do something just very heroic feeling and we're really more into the story than we are the tactical lethality of it or anything like that right we play with wound cap and heroes never die yep. as special rules but if you want to tell a horror story no take those things away in fact play with like creative criticals you know sure stuff like that make make your characters more squishy make death yeah. around every corner yep it allows you to tailor those things to each individual story so yeah you've got the you've got the freedom to morph it and the tools to do so very much so. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, uh, when they're looking or talking about systems, especially when we're doing system reviews, don't recognize that there are a lot of SRDs that are out there. Oh, there tons are of them. Tons of them. Uh, many of the systems that we've reviewed uh, that are to the generic side, and I, I say to the generic side because they often have uh, SRDs that are their generic counterpoints, um, are out there. In fact, I finding a quick list there were 35 srds available mm -hmm. of different systems many of which i recognize somewhere it was like oh yeah i guess that does have an srd yeah um yeah and uh jgen x actually asked the question can an srd be used as a drop-in replacement for a full game system i'm not gonna say no because if you've played or as a storyteller understand the system well enough and your players are already seasoned players mm -hmm. from other games, yeah, you could grab an SRD and just run with it. Yeah. There's nothing to say that you couldn't. Yeah. It might feel a little clunky just because if you're access to it, many of them are just on websites, and you'll have to go through multiple web pages to, to kind of to dig through them. They're not as pretty as a nice book or well laid out necessarily, but all of the stuff is there. You can completely run a game through an SRD. Yeah, I mean, in a world where Lasers and Feelings is a game, True. Where your stats are lasers and feelings. Right. And that is a one-page rule system with artwork and formatting. Correct, <laughs> correct, correct. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's a full game system in and of itself, so I don't see why an SRD cannot be dropped in. Like, if, if your table can make it work, absolutely. 
It's mm-hmm. it's a rule system. That's mm-hmm. what an SRD is. That's all it is. You know, and in many ways, um, <clears throat> we, we ran this when I, I would say when we were younger in it, where we would want to often try and homebrew around the problems of a system. Oh yeah, having SRDs out there to look through. And get a feeling for, especially if you've watched a Let's Play of something. Like, maybe you watched a Let's Play of Blades in the Dark, and you're like, wow, I really like the heist of this, but I don't necessarily like the world. Mm-hmm. Forged in the Dark is an SRD. Yeah. Go go look it up. The, it's still a heist. It's just not set in that world. Mm-hmm. And now you can see what the mechanics look like and get a feel for them and how they move. Yeah, it won't tell you anything about Duskfall, but, no. it, will, but, it, but it will tell you how to run a heist. Yep, exactly. Yep. And for that, I, I think it definitely can. Um, yeah, if, I mean, for me, like, SRDs are, like, akin to, like, if you go to the craft store, mm-hmm. you can buy a birdhouse. You know, it's just going to be plain wood and some small nails to hold it together. But you can buy a birdhouse, but it's up to you to sand it and paint it or stain it and, you know, do whatever it is to turn it into a full-fleshed. You have to do the art. Mm-hmm. But But the SRDs will give you the bare bones, and it's all ready to go. Yeah, and in that, uh, much like the birdhouse analogy, is that the birdhouse works. It is a birdhouse. Yeah, you could just literally stick that outside, and I'm sure birds would move into it. It wouldn't look pretty. It would look like unfinished wood. Right, but it's still a birdhouse. It's not like you're trying to take a Lego house and turn it into a birdhouse Mm -hmm. and figure out how that's all going to work and then make iterations of failure. Yeah, yeah. So that is the difference in that sense. All right. Then you've got generic systems. Yes. All right. So obviously there's tons of SRDs out there. There's a good handful of generic systems out there too. Um, I mean, we mentioned GURPS earlier. Uh, I mean, GURPS, God, is the like Legos of, of generic systems. Okay. Um, I, I kind of liken GURPS to, uh, so, so GURPS stands for generic universal role playing system. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, uh, it's from my experience. My experience with GURPS is is that it tries to provide literally everything um, to the to the end user. Uh, it, it tends to be very simulationist because it uses that kind of as its baseline for where it wants to go. Now you can change it from there to tell just about any sort of story. But at its baseline, if you buy just the GURPS book, you're going to get a very simulationist game out of it. Okay, that's fair. There is also a lot, a lot of options. That See, that's where I kind of liken GURPS uh, and that design to more like snap-on tools. Yeah. Like you, you go to a guy's, you know, a mechanic shop, you see the tool crib of snap-on, and then within like... If you stay there long enough, that Snap-on dealer will stop back by and be like, "Hey, hey, you want some more? Because mm-hmm. there's more. There's always more." And by the end of it, like the entire place is just filled with Snap-on. Like it's stuck on logos on everything. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. at all, you know. But it's like it is the Wells Fargo who just keeps coming back, like, y- "You want something more? Because I got more." Yeah, yeah. And sure enough, it's there for you. It it is. It is. Um, I, I kind of, I kind of liken, uh, GURPS to like the bland saltine cracker. Okay. Where in and of itself, like, okay, that doesn't sound very complimentary, but you need to understand that this, the bland, the bland cracker is the foundation upon which you can put cheese, you can put meat, you can put any sorts of jams and jellies, you can put caviar, you can put cream cheese and jalapenos and 
all sorts of wonderful things, and suddenly it becomes charcuterie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and so you know let's let's not let's not speak ill of the humble cracker because it is a great platform upon which you can build just about any sort of wonderful sort of thing um it's got a long and storied uh uh, uh history too like i remember GURPS was one of the first games i ever knew existed i mean even before uh before i even played dungeons and dragons i think the first time you know, I started off on Palladium on uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I had another friend who was who was deep into GURPS. Um, I don't think I ever had an occasion to play it at the time, but uh, uh, but yeah, Steve GURPS by Steve Jackson Games has been around for a very long time, and it's had a library of hundreds upon hundreds of books uh, for for most of that time too. Right, and. And I, it's not the only one out there that's like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the the key behind this is is that Palladium did the same thing with its fantasy, its modern, its multiverse. You know, you had all of these not only uh, add-on books, but you had universes that stacked on top of it, mm-hmm. whole settings. Yeah. Um, that that threw in there. Um, and I'll say this: we've talked about it. D and D. It is generic in its base right but then has xanathar and tasha's and everything else that stacks on top of it yeah we'll circle back around to D because i think it's i think it's a weird edge case that 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 that, that needs further further discussion to a degree i would say suede does the same thing uh... now with its fantasy companion and with the cyberpunk that it's got no, uh, but, but there's but there's no but there's no core like the the difference between Savage Worlds and and Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. is and and I, I figured this out after we had talked this afternoon. Okay, the difference between the two is the assumption of genre. Hmm. Okay, Dungeons and Dragons makes no um no statement about what world you're going to play in. It is a generic toolkit for heroic fantasy, but it is for heroic. heroic fantasy without a doubt right without a doubt suede what genre is that for uh at first glance i would say modern literally anything i, I agree literally anything even if you look at the examples in the book mm-hmm. there is um they use kind of a a rift like example of like the same characters traveling through multiple realities correct so that they can give you a cross-section for um, how different characters would interact with different genres yeah. and such like that. Your powers can be superpowers. They can be spells. They can be psionics. They've got rules for all of it. They can be um, uh, uh, fun inventions and mm-hmm, stuff like that, mm-hmm. like tinkering. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got you've got rules for all that. And, and they've got modern weapons. They've got um, uh, fantasy weapons mm-hmm. and armor and such like that in there. They've got everything. Yeah. And it, and it handles it all well. But then you've got your companion books that inform you how to do that and they do have setting books that say okay it uses this generic system like deadlands and holler and Mm -hmm. and etu yeah and to say the least these are the ones we know well but just as much there are other systems that sit around it uh forged in the dark is a heist system yeah it is not it does have settings but there's nothing to say and you can definitely look it up there are other settings besides Blades in the Dark. Sure. That sit under Forge in the Dark. Uh, one of our one of our uh, listeners, Tim, is playing. Mm-hmm. Is it Tim? I think is playing. Uh, uh, or is it Hulu? I can never remember. Um, is playing. Um, skin. Uh, sin. Um, 
almost said sin and gluttony. Uh, uh-huh. scum, scum and villainy. Scum and villainy. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, then you've got the cipher system by Mont Cook that uh, has, uh, you know, it's its own base system. Mm-hmm. But that's Numenera. Yeah. You know, that sits on top of it, it, it which is by far their flagship property for yep. it. Yep. Um, you know, and. And yet you can find other things like we had talked about with uh, like lasers and feelings or mothership that are independent, Mm -hmm. that are not making statements to have things, but sure as heck they could have defined uh, secondary products that help you within a specific setting um, or to push a little bit more or a little bit away from the, the base theme or idiom that it's trying to play. Sure, sure. Uh, so Nevum shoots us a question here, uh, and it asks: Some people say the system matters. Uh, how does using a generic system impact the game? You want to take it first? Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Yeah, system does matter. System, you're absolutely right. System does matter. Um, using a generic system, though, um, I, I think I mean to to say that a generic system is is flavorless in any way is is just a really a uh, it's just patently incorrect. You know there are a number of different generic systems. Um, I don't know if we mentioned we didn't mention fate earlier uh, in our in our little list here. We did not. Um, that's definitely it's kind of an extreme example um, because fate is a very. Uh, is a generic system, but it's very fiction forward. You know, you contrast that with something like GURPS, and you're going to get a very simulationist feel instead of a very uh, narrative feel to it. So, I think just like any other game system, you're going to be looking looking at what are the strengths of the system, what are the weaknesses of the system, what does the system tell you about how it wants to be played. And about what type of stories it wants you to tell with it. What sort of details does it want you to focus on in those stories? You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't. I don't think that it really differs much more than choosing a system that you know does have a setting tied to it or does have more of a uh, a genre assumed about it, like Dungeons and Dragons or something like that. Um, I think you look at all the same the same hallmarks for it, and just see and just see if that system is going to be the correct fit for the tone and flow of the story you want to tell. I, ten out of ten. I I barely have a a comment to add to that. You can go home. Yeah, I could at this point. Um, but I'm already here. You are already so, here. So uh, so the only thing that I will Welcome say home, is that thank you. Uh, <laughs> is that oftentimes within a uh within the way that a system matters. I don't often start with looking at a generic system. I look at how it's being played mm-hmm. by others. And oftentimes that gives me a framework for functionality. Yeah. Um and a feeling for is this going to work for me? What are they tripping over? Mhm. So let's plays can help a lot with that. Oh sure. And oftentimes in generic systems when you're going to look for a let's play, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Because they say it's something, and then you have to figure out what system they're actually using underneath, yeah. it, underneath yeah. the covers. Um, but uh, I, I will say this: it's interesting to see how few less let's plays are homebrews now and are not just another system mm-hmm. that they've brought in whole cloth, and maybe a different setting, mm-hmm. but it's a whole cloth system. And I I find that exciting because that tells me. We don't need to have homebrews out there. Mm-hmm. We just need to go look for systems. Yeah. So 
in choosing a generic system, I would start, like you said, with how do you want your game to feel? What is important to the players? Mm-hmm. Um, is gameplay speed important? Is gritty combat important? Is fear important? You know, and that kind of sits more along within what what they're accepting within the design of the story. Mm-hmm. After that, it's it's a matter of slow marriage of figuring out. Okay, now that I know these things, which one of the generic systems is going to work best for me? Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, and then uh, one of our new Discord members here, uh, Kilkey. Uh, I think that's how it's pronounced. I, I apologize. We might not. be butchering. Uh, Kilkey or Kilkey. Um, is there a difference between uh, around the definition of a generic uh, between simulationist systems like GURPS and narrative focus based like uh, Fate Core? Could one system be considered more generic? Because it follows pre-existing notions of what a TTRPG are, e.g. rules, stats, dice, rather than re- uh, reinventing the uh, product to focus on the activity, e.g. cooperative storytelling with some chaos or uncertainty inserted. I think you just defined the problem with generic role-playing games and the understanding therein. Yeah. yeah. Great job. That's, a little bit, yeah. You, you kind of hit it on the head, because the, the, the base issue with a lot of people who are looking at game systems as a whole is generic often means closer to OSR and in crunching number stat based systems Ew. and they don't see indie systems like powered by the apocalypse was indie at one time mm-hmm. it is not by any means now it's pretty mainstream now but it's also not a crunchy OSR by any means mm-hmm. I mean Unless you're playing Groot. Right. But the the whole thing is... Yeah, that's funny. Um, but the whole point of that is is that each one of these systems are developed for a feeling. And getting down to that, the base mechanics that you need to achieve that feeling and keep that feeling and design is really what makes it generic. You're stripping the setting away. You're stripping away, I will say, theme in grand quotes. Yeah, sure. Uh, but you're keeping that base idiom and the way that the game needs to transpose the players, regardless of the story that you're telling within it. Am I telling a story where my heroes are most likely going to win at what they're doing, but how they get there is the story, mm-hmm. right? Or am I telling a game where all of my players are in a survival mode, and they may not all make it out. And that's its own story. Mm-hmm. Both of those can be told with multiple generic systems. But I assure you, there are specific generic systems that tell those stories well. Exceptionally well. And neither of those are talking about a setting. Yeah, They're talking about a feeling yes. that you're getting by playing your character, by designing a character and putting it within that world. Yeah, yeah. How the, how the rules interact with the world, what sort of aspects of your world those rules will draw focus on, mm-hmm. how fast the system plays from the standpoint of how bogged down in little details are you going to yep. get. Um, yeah, but I, I don't, I think to, to directly answer your question here, I don't think the definition of generic differs between them. Like... I don't think GURPS is any more generic than Fate is. No. The, the 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 only things you need to be a generic system is that you need to lack the assumption of a genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to lack a setting. Yeah. 
and just be a rule system that is flexible that to be applied to just about any story you want to point it at. Mm-hmm. It may it may be better or worse at telling those types of stories for different particular feels and flows, but it can be. Yeah. I can tell a horror story in GURPS just as well as I can in Fate. Yeah. And you know, if I if I walk into a room with a bunch of player of my players sitting around and I said, We're going to be playing a suspense thriller and I put a Jenga tower on the table, they all know exactly how stressful it's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> and that's generic. Is dread a generic system? <laughs> yes. Y- yes ish. I think it is. Just as much as lasers and feelings is a generic yeah, system. Yeah, it's it's all all it is is a uh, is a, is a problem solving mechanic. That's yeah. right. That's all it is. Simple as that. Uh, so, but w- what we're talking about is that there's enough genre non-specific out there that you can find the system, the mechanic set that's going to work best for you. Mm-hmm. Whether it whether you need magic, whether you need technology, whether you need superpowers, whether you need space travel doesn't necessarily mean that the mechanics have to be there to facilitate those things unless those things need to be facilitated to make the story feel challenging. Yes. Yes. You know, don't go homebrewing stuff when literally the system's already out there for you. Sure. You know, I I think it's hilarious when people feel that they need to homebrew into their existing system some mechanical set because it's key to their story. Mm Mm-hmm. Is it key to your players enjoying themselves? Yeah, yeah. That's the point. Long, long discussions I've had with Sean about uh, a Wheel of Time game yeah. Yeah. and how he wants the rules to, quote-unquote, feel like Wheel of Time. And we had we had some really long, really good, very fruitful discussions about what that means. And he's like, well, in the books, it, it happens like this. And I'm like, right, 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 right. But is that a meaningful mechanic? Is that something that enhances your player's enjoyment and understanding of the world? Or is it just something that happens in a book and you feel like you need mechanics for it? And he's like, oh, wow. Okay, mind kind of blown. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. You know, then you don't need it. You can tell it just narratively. It can just be a story thing. You can just mention it offhandedly to a character. Oh, by the way, you notice this. Mm-hmm. Bam. There. You don't have to cook up mechanics for it. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's... I love hand waving of things that are unimportant but are within the setting. Mm-hmm. Because if it's not important to telling the story or to be in control by the, the players or fate, then why is it in there? Mm-hmm. You're just you're just causing unneeded dice rolling. Exactly. You might as well make a you might as well make them roll a perception check every time a scene starts. <laughs> let's let's see how much of the scene you're paying attention to. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Nevum asks, um, what is the difference between a generic system and a game system that has received different instant and, and a game system that has received different instantation this word instance instantiations instantiation thank you Insta- funny that I'm I, saying it properly I said it correctly earlier when and you then I messed you up yeah. and then I couldn't say it instantiations yeah. or can bar- part of the apocalypse free mutant uh, free, free league, league mutants uh, mutant year zero systems D and D fifth edition can these things be called generic so. Hold on. Let's yeah. let's follow up with Overwatch's question because I think this, this one leads exactly directly. It's, it's it compounds the thing and sets the table for the topic. Fair enough. So Overwatch also asks. Lately, it seems many systems, even those that are not generic, have become so. 
you can play XYZ using D&D 5th Edition. Star Wars has been adopted to, I think, seven different systems, and that's just the official ones. Do you see the genericizing of popular systems to be a trend moving into the future? Are there any systems in mind that are so tailored to their setting that they defy this? Okay, so where do you draw the line between a generic system and a genericized system? Setting. That's the best way I can say it. Yeah. If if your system isn't baked into the setting, um, 7th C is baked into the setting. Yes. The way the sorcery works, the way the sword schools work are based upon literally the countries the people are from. Mm-hmm. There are no classes. It's about countries. It's about nationalities. It's about what you've learned, how where your blood comes from. All of that is baked into the setting. That's not true for D&D. Mm-hmm. I, I can be whatever from wherever, how, where, you know, whatever. That That's all just names sure. in a generic. It doesn't say where I'm from or which universe that I'm playing in, whether it be we're playing in, you know, Baldur's Gate or whether we're, you know, running around in Planescape. Yeah. All the same. Faerun, Eberron, doesn't matter. I mean, we, I was running my my uh, my uh, Tamriel, uh, my uh, Elder Scrolls game in D&D 5th edition. You yeah. know, I mean, you, you can go anywhere with it as long as it's fantasy. And I think genericizing is an interesting way of stating it. But mm-hmm. a lot of people think, and I think it's, excuse me, fair to say it, that when companies go and take their product and make an SRD of it mm-hmm. to make it accessible... That's kind of a form of genericizing. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. It doesn't change the feeling of the game. Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about that that idiom that it sits within, um, but it does make it available. Now, is that something that groups are doing? I think that's something that's been going on since like the late 80s, realistically. Um, when D20 went huge, everything was D20, it created a boom in... Development. Yeah, that was what mid '90s when the 3.0 SRD uh, came. Beginning out. to mid, yeah. Yeah, when SRD one or uh, OGL 1.0, yeah, happened. But just prior to that, mm-hmm. we had an explosion of people who were building kind of generic systems mm-hmm. because they saw a way to not just profit but to proliferate their games. That structure stuck around. Those developers went on to develop other properties and run publishing companies and looked at these new designs that were coming out and saying, hey, guys, why don't you just make your rules more expansive so that other people will slap your name on it? Yeah, sure. I mean, GURPS was doing this. Steve Jackson Games has been doing that with GURPS for, you know, at least since the 80s. I don't mm-hmm. know when, they, when that was incepted. Might have even been late 70s. Yeah. And you can see that, like, Fate Core mm-hmm. is everywhere. Yeah. Uh, powered by the Apocalypse is everywhere. Yeah. And it's good because people understand basic core mechanics and then can see beyond what these these, I say subtle, in some case they're pretty significant changes, due to this new system that may be wrapped into a theme. Mm-hmm. But at its core generics, it's very accessible. Yeah, and I think I think the great thing the great thing about about the branching out of like core systems is as SRDs being, you know, like you said, you know, Star Wars has been ported into you can play Star Wars in D twenty. You, know, you can. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. You've got um I think it it allows for a lot more mobility within the gaming space. Mm-hmm. Um, humans are creatures of habit. Yeah, and I mean we've we've you hear untold stories of you know 
storytellers wanting to run a different game system, but oh, lo and behold, my my game table only wants to play Dungeons and Dragons. Well, if you can run Star Wars in D20, you've already taken away one of the barriers to entry for running a different system. Mm-hmm. You can tell them it's like D&D, but it's set in Star Wars. It's the best of both worlds. Now everybody can point. just keep keep their dice, exactly. understand their character sheets, and move on. Yeah, you know what a you know what a you know to hit bonus is. You know what hit points are. You know mm-hmm. what a saving throw is. Boom. You know, yep. it's all portable that way. Yep. Um, I mean, I've I've got volumes to say about uh, uh, the health of the gaming community as far as not expanding your horizons goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not where we're talking about tonight. But I also think that uh, as you play a system, a set of mechanics long enough, you learn what parts of it you like or don't like, and that leads you to other things to play. Sure. You know? I may enjoy Diablo mm-hmm. and 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 running around and a three quarters view clicking a lot, mm-hmm. but if I particularly like the setting of Angel versus Demon, but this is getting old on me, I might go look for something else that does that differently, that sure. has maybe a bit more dialogue, mm-hmm. you know. And lo and behold, I end up finding my way into I don't know Final Fantasy, Doom Eternal. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I said more dialogue, not necessarily less, but fair enough. Super Journal has plenty of dialogue. <laughs> I don't know if that classifies as dialogue. I, there you go. That's dialogue. So. <laughs> so, so that's where things are. And to define what a generic system is in itself then becomes a little weird. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about GURPS. It's very simulationist. It's very thing. I think it's defined pretty well. People understand it colloquially as a generic system because it is one. It's in the G. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I, uh, uh, I, I would, I would put GURPS as kind of a a signpost at the like, you know, extreme end of of generic. You know, I would, I would definitely put that as like the far end of the spectrum uh, on on here. Um, you then kind of move a little inwards from there, okay? And you've got something like Savage Worlds, okay? It is definitely a more honed system mm-hmm. with many of the dials um, that, uh, you know, that you can turn to kind of like tweak your story and tweak your setting and stuff like that uh, in different ways to tell different to d- tell different stories. But you're kind of always going to get a heroic, sort of pulpy, larger-than-life feel yeah. due to its core mechanics. Mm-hmm. And these are things that you don't really have dials to change, like the wild die, the fact that there are wild cards and extras, mm-hmm. you know, um, the Benny's mechanic and stuff like that, which yep. always kind of gives you an ace in the hole when you're in a tight spot. Um, these are these are mechanics that, that don't – you can change how Benny's are distributed, but you're never going to remove Benny's from the game. It, it would destroy the game. Yeah. It would change the base mechanics. It would change the base mechanics. And at that point, you, you should look for a different option than Swade. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you're – it's still generic, still very generic, mm-hmm. absolutely, with a lot of different options. But we're starting to get some baked-in flavor. You yes, know? yes. All right. Then you've got kind of sitting awkwardly in the middle. Mm-hmm. We've got like one-page systems. Yeah. They are generic by design. Mm-hmm. Their system is a – it, it, like lasers and feelings has two rules basically is it mm-hmm. and in that sense 
it can be crafted in different ways. Like, for instance, I played a Doctor Who Lasers and Feelings game where it wasn't Lasers and Feelings. It was human and alien. Mm, Are you doing something that is more human-like? Are you dealing with something that is more alien-like? That was it. Mm -hmm. And it, it simply altered the system but didn't change the base core mechanics. Yeah. Um, uh, Warrior, Rogue, and Mage. Very basic. WRNM yeah. is a super basic, straight-up system. It, it ostensibly is a fantasy game, but, mm-hmm. I mean, the rules are so basic that you could easily, easily port it to something else, you know? Um, and that's... I, I think they're, they're, they're generic... Not because they're meant to be generic systems. I mean, Lasers and Feelings is ostensibly supposed to be a space game, but it's so generic that you could... I mean, like, there's literally one serial number to file off, and then all of a sudden it's it's something else, you know? Um, then you kind of move into that weird, awkward middle ground that we were kind of talking about with genericized systems, okay? So, like, Mothership came up. Um... Dungeons and Dragons, Kids on Bikes. These are all systems with a more streamlined set of, like, focused rules. Um, and they excel at telling one type of story. Okay, so for, like, Mothership, that's space horror. For Dungeons and Dragons, that's heroic fantasy. But they don't, none of these things come with a baked-in setting that mm-hmm. allows you to easily set these stories in any sort of world you want. Um, Dungeons and Dragons doesn't assume you're playing in Faerun. No. It suggests it idly. Mm-hmm. Of like, hey, here's a setting we use that is popular to give you a good example to mm-hmm. look at. And here are some some modules to play there if you wish to. Right. But yeah, you don't have to play in Faerun. Nope. Nothing about that. Kids on Bikes has an extensive section at the beginning for sitting down with your table during your session zero and creating the town. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that's uh, creating your world is part of the game. Exactly. Um, Mothership. Mothership is basically just alien by uh, Free League games with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah, it's it's space horror. Yeah, with it, or without aliens, it doesn't matter. Could be mercenaries. Could I mean, you could ostensibly play with Mothership uh, effectively um, Firefly. You could, you could. You could very effectively it, play Firefly. But it would have a horror-tense feeling. Yes. Uh, or you could play like some of the darker episodes of The Expanse, where mm-hmm. the where the the antagonist is the cold, uncaring vacuum of space. We're running low on oxygen. We are out of food. We are freezing to death, and we are adrift because we have no fuel. Yeah, have fun. Yeah. Or if you ever wanted to play FTL off of the digital game and onto the f- tabletop, enjoy Mothership. Mm. <laughs> Hope. Is at its limits. <laughs> yes. Um, but, again, you're always going to get a crafted, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, they're good at telling one type of story. And then, you know, at the far other far end of the spectrum from GURPS all the way over here, you have your baked-in systems. Yep. Your 7th C, your Shadowrun, your Blades in the Dark, not Forged in the Dark. Correct. Blades in the Dark that is set in Duskfall. Yeah, Numenera is a baked-in yes. setting, but it's still using a, a, a generic system on the backside yes. of it. Yes. But it is a finished. Dune is another one. Yes. That is a baked-in system. Uh, and with this, the systems that are packaged along with it can't be easily extracted. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said earlier, a great example, 7C. Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, your your magic system is literally in reference to the nationalities that are part of the world. Yep. You know, 
you only get Porte magic if you are from Montaigne. Or you have some of its blood. Or you have some of its blood. Yes. Yeah. So it it is exceptionally challenging to try and extract that. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and you run into the risk of, how do I make this feel like something else? And it's... It's not going to work. Yeah, because it's already so deeply flavored with its own lore. Yeah, it it made it difficult for me to say, how do I make 7C feel more like light piratey? Mm-hmm. How do I get to that without taking with it everything that is necessary? Mm-hmm. And that's when you start asking those questions. <laughs> Overwatch asks, WTF is palladium. Oh, God. Uh, well, it is an element. Yep. Um next question uh <laughs> no palladium palladium so palladium sits in a weird place because it you mean, is a like you mean palladium publishing do you mean the palladium oh, do you mean palladium game system yeah yeah so <laughs> palladium sits in a weird place because it's not a generic system okay even like the base game palladium is their fantasy property the palladium the palladium the thought is very tiny, but it's there. Yeah, well, <laughs> you you heard my opinion about that earlier, and I'm not going to say it on the air because we'll lose our safe for work reference. Probably, rating. probably um, we'll get demonetized by whatever. So, which but, we're not monetized anyways. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was a dismissive statement towards Kevin. Um, yeah. anyways, um, it's 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 what what do they call it? A megaverse, uh, omniverse, an omniverse. So. All of Palladium's properties are mechanically compatible with one another by design. Um, so it's it's like they use their own internal generic system, but they've never really published the generic system in and of itself. It just like you can pick up a GURPS book or a uh, sorry a Rifts book and use it in Ninjas and Super Spies with a character from Heroes Unlimited and another character from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and play a banging game of Robotech with it. Mm-hmm. And it would work. It would be awkward and weird, but it would work mechanically. Um, But again, it's like there's internal consistency, but there's never a generic like Palladium system that has just been like, here, use these rules and make your own world with it. Um, so I don't really know where to classify that because it's weird. It's. But I'm glad I... you brought it up because it is very confusing. I would still put it in a. In, in not necessarily at the GURPS level. I'd put it within the more genericized set because it's fantasy or modern or or something there is definitely a feeling toward the way palladium plays um in, within its system and the way the mechanics wrap around those rules when it comes to how i handle my skills how i handle uh um my my damage that i do how dangerous things are mm-hmm. um but it also kind of sits oddly in a similar place to where D&D sits. Yeah. yeah. Um, in many ways. Uh, because you don't need the other books to play. They just give you elements to throw at it and, and more to add on to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the basic rules of hit points and SDC and MDC are all there. All your attributes are the same. Your damage scales are... Uh, uh... <laughs> 
though though MDC throws things off wildly, at least your damage scales are consistent from from thing to thing. <laughs> Overwatch says new show topic. WTF is Palladium would go on for two hours. He's correct. He's absolutely correct. We we could do this all day. We are not going to. We are to. not doing that. Uh, so okay, why? The the question I want to look at right now, though, is why do things get messy like this? Okay, why can't we just have a nice little discussion about here's generic systems A, B, and C, and that's that? Where where does all this gray area come from? I think two camps: um, the those who copyright and those who open license. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big thing. And for those of you who who are really confused about this, especially if you're not in the United States and, and copyright seems a little weird in discussion format because it is different other places, the basic understanding is this that you have to understand is that you cannot copyright rules. That is – it is an idea. That's yeah. all that is. But you can copyright the creative output that comes on the other side of that. Yes, it's yes. the reason why you can't copyright a hero goes on an adventure and comes back changed. That is an idea. Mm-hmm. You, otherwise, there'd be a lot of authors who'd owe whoever that is a lot of money forever. Um, but the whole point of it is is that that's just an idea. You can't copyright that idea. Mm-hmm. But any creative endeavors that come from that, you can. Um, so in that... You have these rules that iterate other rules that iterate other rules. Yeah. And where you look at something that someone had created at one point in time and say, well, that's just a copy of X. Right. Done slightly differently. There was some, and I'm going to put this in gigantic air quotes. I'm going to put it in the the worksheet. I, I made sure she actually increased the font on those quotes. Drama, yeah, drama surrounding Critical Role's uh, Candela Obscura uh, right. that was recently put out, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it was so apparently there there was a lot of people who were concerned that it was essentially uh, um, just a remake of or, or was so heavily inspired by uh, Blades in the Dark. There were a lot of people who were like. Oh, this this is just Blades in the Dark. This is just Blades in the Dark. And it's like, yeah, okay. I can understand how you can see that. Um, but first off, Forged in the Dark is a system resource document. It's an SRD, okay? There are already many other games that are already just straight up using Forged in the Dark as their system. Okay, so if you're going to get bent out of shape about Kindle Obscura, you mm-hmm. have to get bent out of shape about Scum and Villainy and all those other, the, the other games that use it. Um, aside from the fact that the Forge in the Dark creator encourages people to use the system and iterate on oh, it. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, I mean, he basically put the SRD up there and was just like, yeah, just make, make games with it. Um, second off, you can't copyright rules. Okay, so it's Look, it's clear the authors of Candela Obscura were inspired by Blades in the Dark. But it's not the same system. You can't read Blades in the Dark and then sit down at a table of Candela Obscura and know what you're doing. You will look at the mechanics in play and go, oh, is that kind of like a flashback mechanic? Or, oh, is that kind of like a stress mechanic? Mm -hmm. 
I I understand because there's a parallel there, but they're not the same game. No. Heavily inspired by? Sure. Not the same game. And third, guys, I got news for you. All of this has happened before, and it will all happen again. Yeah. Blades in the Dark is drawn largely from Powered by the Apocalypse. Many, many, many other systems are inspired by or drawn from other systems. Role players play other role-playing games. And developers cross paths and publishing houses multiple times. Exactly. What's What I love is when people list at the beginning of their system who inspired them. What systems inspired them. What games they played when they were young. Which is even funnier. Because we now have, and I'll say this, 40, 50, 60, and 70-year-old game developers who have played hundreds of systems. Mm -hmm. Some from their youth, some recently, where they look at them with a different view each time because of all of these experiences. God, people out there who just put our game knowledge to, 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 like, to shame easily. Like, wad our gaming experience up like a piece of trash and chuck it in the nearest bin because that is it is so insignificant in comparison to us. And I would say that that's not true. We have our experience because we play. A lot of developers don't often get that. They have to play, they often play their systems with the people that they're used to playing. And, you know, it's, it's like, uh, uh, it's like cars. Mm -hmm. a, a mechanic on an F1 is not, you know, who's done it for, you know, 30 years is no better than a guy who's worked in his garage on all kinds of cars for 20. Sure. They're going to have grossly different experiences, and where they cross, the conversations become amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth behind gaming. That's yeah. that's the real truth. Everyone enjoys it at a different level. And there's so much cross-pollinization. And I, I love that. I absolutely love that. I mean, also, aside from the fact that like there's only so many ways that you can roll dice and add numbers to randomize a storytelling experience. We say that, and yet every once in a while something comes up, and it's beautiful and it it's different. It's beautiful and different, but sure, sure. But but I mean, how? But like the the core mechanics of most of these games are: roll a die, add a number to that die, is either the numbers of the dice or the number on the dice after you add or subtract those modifiers equal to or less than a, some sort of threshold Correct. that has been that has been dictated by the Correct. rules. Uh, I, what are we going to copyright that? You can't. You can't. You know. So, you've got so many of these systems also that oh that that, that also became at the beginning as hacks of other systems, mm -hmm. and this is kind of the last point here that like sometimes people take a system and they go, well, I'm going to homebrew system X, mm -hmm. okay, because I'm trying to tell this different type of story with it, right? And I invent game mechanics A and B and C and D. And E, and suddenly this doesn't look like a hack of System X anymore. At this all. is starting to look like its own system. And, you know, I've taken it so far that if I just file off the serial numbers so that it ever belonged to System X in the first place, which shouldn't be difficult to do because I've changed it so much, then boom, I can sell this as my own unique product. And because you can't copyright game mechanics and i'm not using any copyrighted material from its original system x it just shares a genre with it at this point sure then yeah 
But you're going to have some people who are going to look at that and go like, oh, you just stole that from System X. Well, I didn't steal it. I iterated on it. I was inspired by it. Right. I was inspired by it. And all these other new game mechanics are all mine. And it plays completely differently. And it tell you tell different stories with it. Yeah. Don't watch another Marvel movie because they were inspired by comics. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Guys, read a Marvel comic because it was inspired by Greek. This is mythology. normal. This is all normal. This is normal. This is how the games industry functions. Yep. So, what does any of this have to do with generic systems and SRDs? Look, Dungeon World has an SRD. Okay. Dungeon World has an SRD. Dungeon World is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. This one broke my brain when you told me this earlier. Yeah. yeah. Powered by the Apocalypse has an SRD. It has a free use agreement. Essentially, you mm-hmm. it's, it does not even OGL. Like, you don't even have to license Powered by the Apocalypse. They it, it is It is steal this book, but for... But for, for role-playing systems, you just, just you use it. Ask us nicely. Ask us nicely, yeah. and we'll probably say yes. Yeah. Um, unless you're doing something really weird and abusive with it, and then we'll probably say no. But yeah. Yeah, if if you ask us in any semblance of good faith, yeah, we'll say yes. Yep. Okay. Pathfinder has an SRD. <laughs> Pathfinder is basically bastardized D&D. Mm-hmm. Now I know a lot of Pathfinder players in the listening listening, you know, to the, to the show right now are probably turning over and whatever no, their future grades Pathfinder are. Pathfinder wouldn't exist without D&D. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. They're, it's they're... an OGL property. Correct. Um, but it has its own SRD. Okay. So there are other... The Pathfinder is asking people to iterate upon Pathfinder's rules, which in and of themselves are an iteration of Dungeons & Dragons rules. Mm-hmm. So... But it's been iterated on enough that it is its own thing now. Mm-hmm. Pathfinder is distinctly different in a significant enough way that it is no longer Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. And that's why generic systems become so fuzzy because they cross-pollinate and iterate and change and draw inspiration from across the board and we're all just sitting around the game playing make-believe with one another. Yep. That that that's the simplest way of putting it. Uh, so we got two more questions tonight that actually came in uh do we have three? three. Did I miss one? We do have three. I'm sorry. Uh, that uh, two that came that were discussions about last week's topic. Yeah. Uh, and then an extra one in here. Do we want to get uh, Sci-Fi Tough Guy's other question out of the way before we step back? Yeah. Before before we jump topic, so Sci- Sci-Fi Tough Guy uh, asks, uh, who wins in the throwback weight class between GURPS and Hero System? Ooh. <sighs> you want to feel this one? Or you want my answer? So, wins in throwback. Hero is old. It definitely is throwback. I would say if if I had to if I really had to put weight behind it, I would say more people would say that Hero uh is the throwback over GURPS. Because GURPS hasn't ever gone away, whereas Hero kinda has. You know, it's like saying if you're looking at the shelf and you're like, there's a Dr. Pepper and right next to it is Mr. Pibb. And you're like, Pibb. Now, which one of those came first and right. which one of them is a throwback? Right, right. I assure you, Dr. Pepper is older than Mr. Pibb. Yeah. But when you're going to grab for that Mr. Pibb can because it's old mm-hmm. and you haven't seen it for a while. <laughs> so that's that's my take on it. 
Sean in the live chat is like posted the 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 heavy breathing cat gif. <laughs> he's a he's a huge Gerps fanboy. Oh yes. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like for for me, like I I look, I don't I don't know. I, I'm I, I can't judge this on throwback ability or anything like that. I I don't know, but like if you're just raw asking my ability, uh, uh, you know, or my my uh, my opinion, which one wins in a fight, Gerps or Hero? I'll be dead honest. I don't have a lot of experience with the hero system, I, except for one thing. Uh, the Mad Elf said to me at one point uh, when I introduced him to Savage Worlds, uh, he'd read the uh, the rule book for it and said that it was basically the hero system with less steps. It was it was hero hero system that respected the uh, respected the, the 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 player's time, um, and that was all I needed to hear about it. Uh, GURPS, I have a love-hate relationship with GURPS. Mm-hmm. And this Easy. is yet another thing that Sean and I have had long discussions about, because he is a GURPS fanboy. Yep. Um, I, I generally dislike GURPS, but that is for one key reason, and that is because I am allergic to bookkeeping and crunch. Okay. I get it. Now, the great thing about GURPS, and the thing that keeps me from ever using it, is... That it front loads all of the math and all of the crunch and all of the book reading and, and you know, hard work and elbow grease onto the storyteller before the game ever starts. Yeah. Okay. Very much in the same air of, like, Cortex. Yeah. Um, you end up having to essentially take hundreds of building blocks and handcrafting your game system out of them. Yep. But once you do, you can hand a very streamlined game that is very flexible. You can tell just about any type of story with it to your players and say, this is what we're playing. These are the rules we're, we're using. You don't have to worry about any other GURPS rule. Mm-hmm. These are the ones we're using. Because I went through hundreds of books, <laughs> you know, and and hundreds of pages of rules and and worked out points and worked out kits and worked out, you know, which side rules we're using and which iterations of magic systems we're using out of which source books. I did all of that and you guys don't ever have to worry about it. And then GURPS plays like a dream. Um, I will never use GURPS, but I respect people who do. And that's that's all I have to say on the topic. I think GURPS wins for me. Okay. Be- because I can see its efficacy. Whereas my only experience with Hero is just it's Savage Worlds with extra steps, so just use Savage Worlds. That's fair. It loses fair. every fight. That's fair. All right. Uh, Nekonata uh, asked, do you prefer a more present pantheon like Greek or Nordic gods walking among the mortals or a more disconnected one like Forgotten Realms, which is funny to me mm-hmm. in that statement. Um, what storytelling benefits uh, do each bring? Ooh. So I feel like when you bring gods to the world, it depends on the mechanics that sit behind it that determine whether or not those gods have a feeling. If you're doing like a Percy Jackson thing, where the gods are beyond the mortals that are involved in the story, yet they walk among them in some way. It can have a huge impact because it means that these people are seeing something that no one else can see. And it makes them feel larger and more heroic and more attached to the world. Um, 
and that that can be very driving of a story um whereas like forgotten realms kind of does the opposite where it's like yeah gods are more of a thing that is ephemeral and you're not too sure how, where how they're interacting or if the dude who says he's doing this because his god told him to isn't just him crazy and the god's going along with it because it meets his basic needs you know or you've got something even like elder scrolls where you can't fathom what the gods are thinking because they're well beyond you they don't have thoughts that are even comprehensible we are ants within their universe of of thought mm-hmm. so each one i think brings you as you move the gods further and further away from the players the less they feel the significance of the gods and their impact and i i dare say if you have gods in a story if they are part of the story their impact becomes needs to be pal- palatable palpable and that needs to have a touch point in some way to those players. Yeah, agreed. Directly. Agreed. So that's that's where I would say the benefit comes in is that if there's if gods are meant to be part of the story, then they should interact with the players or with the characters. Yeah, it, it really it really depends on on if you want the storytelling focus to be on the gods or on their followers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to make religion a a part of your story, yep. um, there are plenty of great stories to be told about people using religion um you know for their own political means and such like that uh final fantasy tactics one of my absolute favorite games of all time mm-hmm. and that is because one of the major players in there is the church um of saint ajora and they uh uh saint ajora is not a present and opinionated active part of the story there's a lot of mortal people speaking on behalf of it and using it as a political bludgeon um, and that makes it a very compelling story to, uh, to story to tell. Um, on the other hand, though, uh, you know, it, it would be a very short story if Saint Ajora just showed up and was like, uh, no, that's not, that's not what I said at all. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, and then of course, if a God does show up and say, oh, actually, this is what I meant. It removes things like doubt. It removes things like atheism. It removes, you know, differences of opinion and stuff like that. And makes your followers of that god far more archetypes. And makes the religions far more fan clubs than they are matters of faith. Right. Because if a god can show up, look you in the eye, and go, these are my teachings. There's no ambiguity. There's no lessons to draw from mysteries. There's no, There really is no faith because proof. Yeah. You have proof. Yeah. I've I've met Helm, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> yeah. I talked to him last Tuesday. He owes me five bucks, yeah. you know? Questions of faith no longer are questions of faith. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because a high enough cleric can just put that god on speed dial. Mm-hmm. I asked for the god for, to give me something. He gave me something. Are you telling me that that's not the god giving me that? No, at that, at that point, he's a patron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it, it depends on the type of story you're trying to tell. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, and there are very compelling stories to be told on both sides of that coin. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, Kilke asks, uh, how would you feel about the use of Christianity within a polytheistic tabletop RPG setting? What kinds of affordances for storytelling might this provide? And what sort of considerations should we be mindful of? Examples include settings like Banestorm, which is a common setting for GURPS. Mm-hmm. Um, but the theme is also present in other fictions such as Dune or the Dark Tower Saga. 
Um, to clarify, mm-hmm. before we continue with this, mm-hmm. Dune is doesn't necessarily have Christianity out of the book, but what it does have is a thinly veiled metaphor for a messiah character that then kind of becomes a god emperor, elevated in a sort of a I don't know religious... if that's thinly veiled. I think it's it's pretty well spelled out. Okay, it do... no one ever calls him Jesus. No, but they so do it's... call him a messiah. So it's thinly veiled. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um. Very thinly. It's a it's a messianic story of uh, uh and and de- and a lot of uh, devotees to an extended faith. Yeah. Whereas Dark Tower, um, Jesus and uh, in Christianity are kind of given a nod to as part of the valid pantheon of multiple different powers out there in the universe mm-hmm. that uh that that have power. And I would say it's the same thing in the Dresden Files. Yeah. Uh, Michael Carpenter and the Denarians and the, the the Swords of the Cross and stuff like that um, are all uh, major plot lines in there, but mm-hmm. it's very clear that they are not the only gods on the board. So, so how would you feel about using Christianity with within a polytheistic TTRPG setting? So, my take on it is this: um, whether you're using open face Christianity, mm-hmm. which I don't recommend, I'm gonna put that out and I'm just going to set it to the side. I'm not going to recommend that, but doing something that uses the same design tenets. Seventh C did that. Uh, first edition specifically about the prophet uh, who came, who was effectively Jesus and then was, you know, crucified. Um, the reason I feel that it was used was because it was a ready and available design of history within Europe. It was something that was a major component uh, to understanding the powers and how they got their place and political and politicizing uh, within within the scaffold of of Europe and its countries. So, since Seventh Sea is is basically all of the myths and legends and reading of a hist uh, of a European history book with squinted eyes. <laughs> so you're not really seeing it clearly. It's more or less the ideas, you know, mm-hmm. or, or like I took a one Oh one European history class and this is what I can remember, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but religion painted that Christianity specifically painted that very strongly. Um, it's also very easy to use terms like inquisitors, uh, and uh, and and holy war, yeah. Because these yeah. are things that, as a humanity, we understand for the most part. Yep. Okay. Um, and can can come to terms and understand that whether or not that's a good thing to put in your story, really comes down to how you're utilizing it because it can be a very, it can be a questionable tool within a setting. Uh depending on the players at your table and how you're telling that story. Yeah, I agree. I think that's where your dangers come in. And I think that's the danger with using any open-faced religion or very obvious religion. Um, people be- take it personally. They it's can. Just straight up, straight up people. People can take it personally. You know, if you're talking about Helm and Shar and Salune and stuff like that, like those are all made up gods. Like nobody's going to be like, oh, Shar sounds like a dick. Um, and, and, and be like, are you are you saying my religion is stupid? Because mm-hmm. nobody actually worships Shar. It's a made up god, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, if you're like, hey, this Christian character in my in my game did a crappy thing, it can 
you know, it can it can ruffle some feathers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Um, I would say that would be the biggest things to be mindful of. I think it can. I think using some of the the framework to help describe things can help, but I think you run that slippery slope of what yeah. you believe you know about history over someone else because again that you, that is perspective and there from from the other side of things too um you know speaking from a, a little bit of personal experience as a uh, uh as a queer person um i have uh let's call them complex feelings about christianity um you know uh, complex feelings about uh any any faith that uh whose uh, uh whose um followers uh, a, a portion of followers, I should say. Mm-hmm. I want to be very, very careful here. I understand that not everybody who practices Christianity holds this opinion. Um, that uh, you know holds a holds a low opinion of myself and my existence. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some, even on top of that, who would do me harm because of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, then you know, if I if I were to participate in a game where like all of a sudden Christianity becomes a major focus of it, um. I'm probably not going to enjoy that very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially then if, you know, there's aspects of, um, especially Christianity, uh, but a lot of, uh, there's, there's a good number of faiths, a real world faiths that, that do the whole, like, we're the one, we're the one faith. Mm-hmm. Like, if you believe in us, we're the right one, yeah. you know, um, and all the other ones are fake. Uh, and, you know, that that's not particularly my view of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I remember back in the day, because uh, White Wolf got very heavily steeped in Christianity. Oh, yeah. um, like the origin of vampires was uh, in 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 Vampire the Masquerade mm-hmm. is Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Cain was the first vampire because he killed his brother. He committed the first murder, the first sin. Yeah, he invented murder mm-hmm. and um and was and was cursed by God. Mm-hmm. And uh, in their lore, that curse was vampirism essentially. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, from him, all vampires came. And uh, but but they they did a very kind of delicate dance where they were like, yeah, but that's like just one mystical story that kind of takes place. Like, yeah, yes, it lends credence to the um, validity of Christianity in our world. But like, if you look at Mage, there's a lot of other stuff going on there. Werewolf mm-hmm. has the Weaver and the Wild and the Worm, and those are uh, semi divine. You know, yeah, without an apocalyptic end that's waiting to happen. Yeah, yeah it's it's there, there's a, there's a lot of nods to a lot of things, and kind of like Dresden Files, where it's like, yeah, look, it's we're validating Christianity, but it's also only one one pawn on the board of right. many. Um, and I remember when Demon the Fallen came out. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. I had to think about that one for a second. Right. I I actually bought the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh. But there were a lot of people who had a really bad taste in their mouth about that because mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways, Demon the Fallen kind of bookended the place that Christianity had within the mythos of the world of darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, because if if you just have two dudes, Cain and Abel, and one dude murders the other, and that's a really crappy thing, and some divine entity that we don't fully understand places a curse upon that guy for murdering his brother. Okay. We don't we're not really validating 
Christianity off of that. It's a story that parallels something very heavily that happens in the Bible. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Maybe it's a myth lost in time and all the details have been washed away. Mm -hmm. Like tears in the rain. But Demon outright comes out and says, yeah, hell is real. Lucifer's a dude. God is exactly the God that we think he is in the Bible. All that went down exactly like we said it was in the Bible. And here's the fallout from it in the end times. And they were like, okay, so Christianity was right this whole time. And all this other st- like, what, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know? You kind of just, like, gut-punched literally every other mythos you put in here by basically well, yep. just going, oh, yeah, it was Christianity the whole time. Yeah. You know? So, you got to be careful with that sort of thing. Um, I, I'm not wholly against it, but I like to st- I like my fantasy stories to stay fantasy. Yeah. That's yeah. that's my whole that's my whole answer. Yeah. And Yeah, I I think incorporating Christianity into a polytheistic setting is in in my personal opinion is no different than putting a any monotheistic uh faith in that then states that there can be no other. It mm. creates tension mm-hmm. the moment it gets put in. If that is what your story is about is defining that tension, it doesn't have to be Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. If that's your purpose, mm-hmm. you people will understand the design when you when your your paladin of whoever shows up in the town and starts proselytizing with his evangelists there that, you know, the sun god is the only god. Mm-hmm. And without him you dwell in darkness. And the end times will come when he no longer rests his eyes upon you. Okay. That's pretty obvious, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, I mean, but if that's the world that you're trying to paint, there's nothing to say that that isn't a way to tell a story and can create a heck of a lot of tension. Sure. So. Absolutely. All right. All right. So next week's topic, we are getting into a storytelling 202 because it's going to be the first Wednesday of October. Um, and this time we're going to be talking about the weight of themes. Yeah, we kind of dabbled a little bit as we were talking about the generic systems of like where's the theme sit within things but how does that sit within your story right like how do you translate that directly and make your players feel the theme Mm -hmm. so that they understand the texture of your story and what sort of mood they're trying to get out of it do you want to be able to make your players shiver with fright and slight disgust every time you mention that there is a field of poppies we will show you how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. You can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Uh, listen to us live every Wednesday night on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash Conclave at 7 p.m. Eastern time is when we record the show live. Uh, and you can join us up on our, up on our Discord. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Shoot us some, we some great questions yeah, this week. Yeah, we love these questions. Uh, love these questions. Uh, join us up. Uh, shoot us some questions or just talk with the other great storytellers that are there on the Discord. Uh, you can find that link on our website as well as uh, storytellerconclave.com. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members who support us every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, Hulubu, and Sean. We appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at patreon.com slash arcaneanthems or on Instagram at arcaneanthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrog.pancamp.com or on YouTube now. 
Our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families. Vicky and Sean, thank you so much for loving and supporting us. Thank you. All of our friends who've sat at our tables over these years to give you these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you so much. Love you guys. Good, Good night. night.